0: My name is Beth and I am an alcoholic. Now those are words that I first said on June 24th, uh, 2018, I believe. And they're words I said to my husband out loud in our living room after waking up with the most ridiculous amount of anxiety I have ever felt having zero recollection of how I ended up in my bedroom in my bed with my daughter next to me and having like this just I mean I couldn't breathe I had to get up I had to walk around my house and when I finally sat down with my husband uh, that morning and said those words it was as though like everything made sense. <laughs> it's like, Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that. That is super true and has been true for a very long time. Um, but now you're putting words to it, ownership to it, and even adding, and I need to get help. So that was for a little over four years ago and this is not necessarily at all a podcast about AA or about uh alcoholism. However, AA has so many uh similarities to couples therapy that I find to just be fascinating and I'm sure I see them because right like I'm a part of both of those. So mainly <laughs> What I have learned about Alcoholics Anonymous is that it is a program of action. You know, if, if you're not doing anything, nothing is going to change. So you have to do something. Like the whole program is about doing, whether it's in service of others or in, you know, real deep introspection and trying to understand um, you know still having these big strong feelings and emotions and then not having your your coping mechanisms and how do we get through them and how did they come up and how do we stop letting them um negatively impact our relationships so there is also you know helping other women men uh humans go through the book so action and showing up for others and putting an effort it's just it's so when I say that then I go over to now couples counseling and I say to couples often like this is a program of action you cannot show up here and talk to me for an hour 50 minutes maybe 90 if you got on board with me on that with that and like expect things to get better without doing anything. If you're not taking all that we're learning and then applying it, nothing changes. If we talk all about this like different way to have conflict and then and like and and then even say, "Hey, and if your partner calls you out when you guys start to head down that road," you know that this is how it's gonna look but then you still just say I don't care (laughs) when you get into that conflict and then nothing changes or if you say yeah I'm gonna um, you know really put a lot of effort into noticing the things that need to be done around the house instead of constantly asking my partner you know well what do I need to do like I'm gonna I'm really gonna pay attention and then you don't do that there's just like not the follow-through. There's not the action, and then nothing changes. So it's very similar. Okay, so there's just that. Let's big picture it. Now, what I really want to talk about today is what we call in Alcoholics Anonymous character defects. So I'm gonna go ahead and read this, which is the term character defect refers to any challenge and personal character that may affect your way of life and interactions with others in a less than ideal manner. Boom. (laughs) Any challenge and personal character that's gonna affect your life, probably more in a negative way, right? Less than ideal manner. And very frequently, if not always, that character defect shows up in all of our relationships because it is ours. However, a lot of times we like will either blame that character defect on our partner, like it's this new thing, I only act this way with you, um, or it's just a lack of acknowledgement, often that it's even there. So examples of what a character defect might be, might be greed, anger, fear, guilt, impatience, dishonesty, egotism. And I know for me, the one I'm going to talk about today is stubbornness. And if you take a step back, and think about you know conflict that we have in our relationships very often they they stem from or have some of these character defects involved so if I go back to mine that I want to talk about today which is stubbornness and how does stubbornness negatively impact my relationships well I have been known <laughs> to very easily cut people out of my life it it's fine in my I kind of am cold in that way and it's a lot of lot to do with stubbornness some of it is self pres- like self preservation my peace is more important I'm like you know getting older <laughs> so some of that is like you're not bringing joy to my life so there's that um, but there's also people that I have cut off, e- even if temporarily, and now they're back in my life, where stubbornness got in my way of mending that relationship. Um, so that negatively impacts me because now, if I continue to do that with people in my life, my community gets smaller, my support system gets smaller. The people I have to call on, to count on, gets smaller. Because if you cut people out of your life, you can't call call on them in three years for help. I mean, again, you can. <laughs> You're not probably going to get what you need from that. And that's kind of shitty. And it puts you in that position of, God, I'm all alone. Or I don't have a lot of people. Or my my human is my my partner is my only support system which is a lot of pressure on one person it gets in the way of me being able to squash conflict because i might hold on and refuse to budge to move to turn towards to lean in until I feel like the wrong that has done to me has first been acknowledged. And I believe in that, but there are times where sometimes, like you have to lean in. And when I'm in my space of stubbornness, it is probably impossible for me to budge when I'm in that place. So what can, what's like behind this? Right, so often what's behind it is fear, pride, ego. Like, not like full belief consciousness of this, but like, will I cease to exist? Of all the things that I have held on to if I, if I own something first, will I like cease to ex- exist? If I acknowledge that I have messed up, does this? Uh, perfectionism, which nobody thinks I'm perfect. <laughs> it's not even like other everyone around me is like, she's perfect. Nobody thinks I'm perfect. So why am I in this like, well, I'm over here. Perfect. It's my own veil. Like I do. I make all the right choices. I do all the right things. So I'd have to acknowledge that I messed up. And if I take it even further, when you think about being stubborn it's i felt so unheard as a child and as a as a teen you know no one was listening to the youngest i mean i was loud and obnoxious i'm sure but like in the things that mattered like i don't get a say <laughs> and my family breaking up i don't get a say of when I get to go to these people's houses or or whose house I'm going to, you know, in the first few months going to some strange woman's house who's now my stepmother, but like, I didn't get a say. And then as I, my mom, I didn't get a say in who she then started to date and marry if I didn't like them. And not that I really think I should, but this like, maybe sense of that you have power in a family where your family's still together when you have to go back and forth and you don't get to have any sort of say in that. And as I got older, it continued. And I got, I would even really ask for, hey, please don't do, please don't go, please stay and that was met with a no verbally sometimes or through action of not being there so it was like i even asked and it didn't it wasn't heard so now i'm going to hold on tight everyone's going to hear me even if it's by me cutting everyone off because that's how much i believe in this so it also has a lot to do with control. Feeling so, feeling no control, I guess that's the better way to say it. Feeling like I had zero control. So, so now my stubbornness is all about control. I'm controlling the narrative, the situation. I'm controlling the energy, the vibe. And cousin tells somebody acknowledges my pain, I'm gonna sit in that space. What's really interesting to me is that my character defect that I'm talking about here of stubbornness was I honestly think the thing that kept me sober in the beginning. Now it's like I see it for what it is. I see the pros, how much they outweigh the cons. Um, I had an accidental drink of a kombucha, a hard kombucha, um, I don't know, two years into my sobriety, like a whole kombucha and that's like nine, I don't know, 8% alcohol. And actually being able to be so aware of my brain wanting another drink knowing no but having my brain and and thankfully not going and having that drink anyway back to (laughs) stubbornness because i had told my family that hey i'm ready to admit i'm an alcoholic i'm gonna go you know get help told on myself and so now i've put myself in this position (laughs) if i go back on that like, oh, good Lord. So my stubbornness is what, in a lot of ways, kept me sober because early on, it's hard. I was, if I had not told on myself, right? So it was probably like a Thursday night. Let's say Friday morning, I woke up uh, declaring I'm never gonna drink, you know, I'm an alcoholic, I'm gonna get help, Um I believe that afternoon sent that email out, if not the following day, went to my first meeting on a Monday. I honestly, truly, with my whole heart, believe that had I had not sent that email to my family, I would be drinking today. Because I would have done all the things that i learned about in AA, I would have rationalized. Because even people were saying, it wasn't that big of a deal, you're fine. I would have rationalized it. I would have felt better because I was not, you know, I was super hungover. Also, on top of all the anxiety, I, and I would have started to feel better and probably would have been drinking by Monday versus going to that meeting. So it's interesting to say, like, hey, this stubbornness helped, but it's good to identify the difference. And the really other big point of this is. It's that stubbornness piece is, can become this, you know, the personality of like, well, that's just who I am. And while yes, I can say I'm, I am a stubborn person, because I am also aware that I am stubborn, and I have done this in-depth work that I just kind of went over with you, and I see how it negatively impacts my relationships or how it can, I really try not to let that happen. And it still does because it is a very strong character defect of for me, which again is why AA is a program of action. I can't just have, you know, said I'm done drinking or maybe gone through the step. Like I have to continue to remember that because even though I'm not drinking, that stubbornness is still going to be there. It's still going to be negatively impacting my relationships with others. So in In our relationships with our, you know, in our romantic relationships with our partner, I think it's really important instead of pointing the finger at the other person's character defect or using your character defect to then like somehow morph that into your partner's character defect, (laughs) that you spend time on self-reflection, on introspection. The relationship can only be as deep as like the deepest person right like as deep as the most deepest person is willing to go and that's why relationships feel empty often because there's a mismatch in like one's desire for introspection it's it, when people are like oh the relationship yeah the relationship will get depth when you get depth within yourself when you start to understand who you are and and what these character defects are, how they show up, how we can even use them for good or acknowledge that sometimes they can show up for good, but we need to be aware when they show up in that negative space and how to acknowledge and move through it. Probably because I am an alcoholic and have worked the steps and go to AA i even more push this idea program of action on my clients but even more so of the like individual individual component of the couple's work which is like not let's not spend time pointing fingers and like okay you need to like think about what you're bringing in how do you need to heal that not it doesn't it cannot be all about your partner knowing your triggers and then not triggering you. (laughs) You know, like, you also have to be aware and, oh, I'm triggered and what can I do for myself and how do I also try to work, do my own work so I'm not activated as often. So I am not triggered as often. Where's the individual work? You know, we don't, doesn't have to be just individual therapy that individual therapeutic work can be done in the couple setting it's often really cool to watch as one member of the couple does this therapeutic work in this couple setting you know kind of one of, one of the the first session I do with couples is I asked them to tell me like the story of their relationship. How did they become a couple? You know, what do they love about one another? How do they feel when they were with each other in those early stages? What did they like to do? And often it's to bring back some of this positive energy and feelings towards one another. And a lot of times, like, when I ask, especially when I ask, you know, what was it or what is it about so-and-so? Like, What do you love about them? And, you know, give it, to, you know, give it to me. I try to get really, like, kind of fun with it. And I'll see the other person start to cry and they're like, wow, like, I've, I've never really heard you say that or it's been a while since I've heard you say that. Or they maybe say something about, you know, what's bothering them within the relationship. And again, their partner's like, oh my, I I really, that's like the first time I've ever heard you say that in this way, you know, could be first time they are actually kind of allowing it to be heard. It's maybe the person saying it in a different way. Maybe it's not in the midst of conflict, whatever it is, just to be able to witness somebody doing some like really hard work in front of their partner and their partner witnessing it is really beautiful and connecting again it's this vulnerability that's happening you know in front of me sometimes in front of them while i'm doing kind of a therapy more kind of that individual therapy and it's so very frequently to get to what are these character defects and that is what I want to leave you with because I want you to go home or if you're home, get out paper and a pen pen, and write it down, you know, write down what are these character defects that I see that are getting in the way or that show up in my conflict or that I know and maybe even kind of wears a badge on or like that's who I am, right? What is it? What are those things? And like put some time into them where do they come from how do they impact your life life negatively how do we put them into the positive place like like i could say for myself with non-drinking and say well see my stubbornness helps me I'm like yeah and this thing it's one of the things but it also gets in the way so it can be a both and situation sometimes but The important piece is the awareness because when we become aware and then start to work on a different way of communicating or be you know having the awareness that we can you know yeah make a different choice. That's growth, that's action, that's movement. It's what we're looking for. Pen to paper, write it down. If you want to share it with your person, your partner if you have one even better if you want to share it with your friends and your community and your your family also awesome um if you want to just hold on to it for yourself right now that works too all right get to work good luck aloha